What's going on, guys? Clocks on the stove, college football edition, week nine. Week nine. Myself, Grace Fisher. Yours truly always, Mr. Zachariah Watts. Behind Jeez. me, we have the Penn State Whiteout. Because Penn State this weekend is going to be going nuts as they kick off our opening slate of games with number two Ohio State entering number 13. Happy Valley, Penn State, at a noon kickoff. Ohio State's a minus 15 favorite. Zach, what does our fans need to know about this game going into it? Um, Well, I think what they need to know is that, you know, despite the records of these two teams, you know, they're both top 15 teams. Obviously, Buckeyes coming in at number two in the country. Penn State's at 13. Penn State's coming off a rough loss. Um, their last outing. Um, didn't play the way they wanted to, or actually they won last week. I'm thinking they won, back. Yeah, they Michigan. beat Minnesota's yeah. ass last week. Yeah, so yeah, so they beat Minnesota last week, but they're coming off that tough loss to Michigan. But look, every game between Penn State and Ohio State is always close. It's how it is with any Big Ten rivalry game. They always seem to play each other close. If you're gonna ask me what I think about it, um, look, I do think Ohio State is gonna win this game game pretty fairly. However, it's not going to be as easy as everyone anticipated. Um, you know, I think Happy Valley will play a pretty good role in determining the first half of this game. But I think talent will kind of separate itself in the second half. Up, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Penn State leading going in to halftime just because Ohio State's offenses generally – start off slow. They're not able to put everything together. Uh, that Happy Valley crowd's also going to get them freaking going. Yeah, exactly. So they'll, they'll probably get on them a little bit. You know, I'm not, I'm not expecting any turnovers from Ohio State side, but what I am expecting is like a three and out or two. And, you know, what Penn State does have, which we've seen in weeks past, is they have big play capabilities. Mm-hmm. They have plays where like drives will look dead like they look like they can't get their offense going, and then Sean Clifford will bust out like a 70-yard run. Or, you know, they have weapons like Nick Singleton who can just come out of nowhere and provide something for them. Like they, ha- they have the big playability. Um, I think that's what will get them out ahead at first. But, you know, you can't rely on big plays when you the game. So I'm going to take Ohio State winning, but I will take Penn State plus 15. That's what I'm riding with. Grayson, how do you feel about this game? So – I kind of want to take the over, which is weird, but I don't think I'm going to touch it. The over set at 60 and a half, and these two teams combined together are averaging 83 points per game. So their offensive production has been doing phenomenally well. I do see it being a little uh, slow, more low scoring due to the fact that it's a high stakes game and it's in Happy Valley. It's going to be a whiteout. It's going to be nuts. Um, Penn State's key to this game, abuse Nick Singleton. You could see it when, when they lose games, they don't use – when they lost to Michigan, they didn't utilize him well. When they when they use him, good things happen, okay? He's a true freshman, seven touchdowns, 561 yards, and 82 carries. He's a baller. Utilize him. Get as much pressure off of your veteran Sean Clifford as possible. The only downside is Ohio State is one of the best run defenses in college football, allowing under 100 yards per game, coming in at 90.9 yards per game. Um, so it's going to be weird. It's going to be a big Sean Clifford versus CJ Stroud showdown, in my opinion. Um, I'm not a big Sean Clifford guy at all. I think CJ Stroud's phenomenally talented, also has some of the best weapons around him. But if they can utilize Nick Singleton well and get a good, comfortable lead, like nothing crazy, but even 13 points, 
in the first half, I think that it can help Sean Clifford game manage, and that's when he's best. You don't want Sean Clifford down having to freak out and start trying to throw too much. That's not that's not how your offense plays. The other thing I wanted to point out, Zach, a stat that I saw, Penn State has the most wins over Ohio State over any other school since 2005. They've beaten them four times. So I don't think Penn State's going to win. I don't think they have enough weapons. And when you like really sit down and look at it, like who has the more outcomes to win, it's Ohio State in every way. I think the only way – Penn State can win is a huge first half. They're not going to be able to win a neck-and-neck game. They have to have Ohio State trying to catch up. I'm going to yeah. take uh, Penn State plus 15, though. I think I don't think Ohio State beats them by by 16 points. Yeah, I agree. Um, another thing with Ohio State, um, the last ranked opponent they played was Notre Dame the opening week. And, look, I can completely understand saying the offense wasn't, you know – high powered because it's opening week. You really don't know whether you're playing up to your opponents or down to their level. Uh, you just need time to figure things out. I get it. I understand it. However, based off trends, usually when Ohio state finally plays um, some higher level competition, their offense gets a little lackluster and they have to count on their defense to kind of keep them in games and then they'll pull up ahead at the end. So I kind of see that like, I think that's how it's going to play out, in my opinion. Ohio State will most likely start slow, have to pull it out at the end. Penn State's at home. They're going to be excited. They're going to be bringing all the energy, so they'll probably pull ahead initially. And I don't know. I just – I don't think that 15 is very fair to Penn State as a top 15 team. I think I think college football wanted Penn State being undefeated going into this game. Yes. I agree. But I think they want Ohio State and Michigan to be undefeated when they play each other. Yeah, that's going to be the best rivalry weekend. Yeah, yeah. But moving on, um, speaking of Ohio State's slow start, uh, that came against our next game uh, featuring Notre Dame taking on number 16 Syracuse. Now, the line's only at minus one and a half for Syracuse, and I know that's weird because from a uh, casuals fan's perspective, You'll look at this game and say, oh, it's a number 16th ranked team versus an unranked Notre Dame team. I understand that. I get it. However, Notre Dame has probably one of the weirdest abilities in all of college football, and that is that they can play any team close no matter how bad they suck. Because I always think they suck, and yet somehow they play games close, and it is massively infuriating. Uh, I think another issue I have in this game has nothing to do with Notre Dame's uh, – prowess or capabilities i think what pisses me off the most is their inability to utilize their weapons um and i'm speaking about syracuse when i talk about this uh and primarily when i say utilize their weapons i mean sean tucker because last game sean tucker had 50 yards rushing on five carries so how does a running back who is probably one of the best in the country and will be drafted top two rounds in my opinion how do you let that man only get five carries in a game despite him averaging over 10 yards per carry. Now, I'll let Grayson take this way because he was able to do his research and find what the head coach had to say about this. So, Grayson, take us away with this. Yeah, one. I don't know. Their head coach's name's like Dino something, Dino something, uh, Jack Black dude. He uh, he said that they're going to – he acknowledged that they underutilized Sean Tucker in the Clemson loss and that he plans to, be, to have Sean Tucker be fully utilized in this game versus Notre Dame. Um the way I, he needs Sean Tucker needs to be balling for the Syracuse to win this game. Another thing is, 
Notre Dame plays a very slow tempo game. Like it's boring. Feed the tight end, open up play action pass with the run. Like it's boring and it'll lull you to sleep. If Syracuse plays that game, they will lose this game. If they play Notre Dame slow, lull you, drag it out, they will lose. They have a very electric and athletic offense, and they need to utilize that. First thing I look at is their quarterback, Garrett Schrader. 1,600 yards in the air, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. Six rushing touchdowns with 371 yards in the feet. And also, Zach, Notre Dame is giving up, two hundred on average, 200 yards passing per game. You know what this makes me think? It makes me want to keep an eye out for Syracuse wide receiver Aronde Gatz in the second. And Syracuse's two biggest wins this year, which were Purdue and NC State, he had his best two games. Purdue, he had six receptions, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. NC State, he had eight receptions, 141 yards, and two touchdowns. So if I'm looking at this game from based on how these two teams play, I'm going to keep my eye out for Sean Tucker getting sweeps and little short passes, keep the offensive moving, as well as Oronde Gatson has to get the ball in his hands, and they have to open up this Notre Dame poor pass defense. I understand the line's tricky and it looks scary because Notre Dame's one of those teams, but I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to go with a, a, a team I think is pretty solid in Syracuse and I'm going to take them at one and a half. I can respect that. I understand it. Um, but I don't know. I feel like this is one of those games where Notre Dame's going to end up pulling out the win and it's going to allow people to overrate Notre Dame again. That's just how it is. They beat ranked opponents year in, year out, despite having mediocre records. And it did, they play them. Last, did they play last weekend? Uh, Notre Dame? Yeah, I know they lost to Stanford the weekend before. They played UNLV last week and won pretty handily. Yeah, they killed them. Yeah. But they're four I mean, four. They're four dude, three. just so – such a weird team. I mean, beat ranked 16 BYU, beat North Carolina when they were ranked, lost to Stanford. Lost what? to Marshall. Maybe lost to Marshall. Cal. What? Barely be like what? Like what are you doing? And the way I see it is, they'll probably beat Syracuse and end up losing to Clemson, or or they lose. They lose. Syracuse and beat Clemson. That'd be more Notre Dame of them. No, no, no. I think the, what the most Notre Dame thing I'm seeing is they'll lose to Syracuse and Clemson, and then win out. Like they'll beat like top ranked USC and eliminate them from like playoff contention. They could do that. I'd rather yeah. beat Clemson though, personally. I would too, but I think that would piss me off even more knowing how FSU performed against Clemson. So I can't allow, I can't allow, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I can't sleep at night uh, allowing that. So, you know, I'll, I'll ride with you on this one. Let's take Syracuse minus one and a half. Uh, we're always pleased with Sean Tucker and always I'm expecting, a, and I'm 100% expecting a, I am pleased with my performance after this game. Yes. Agreed. Sean Tucker. Yes. That I would say that's my bull prediction of the week. But that's not Don't talk to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas betting odds minus one fifty. Sean Tucker will be pleased. Uh, but yeah, moving on from that game, this is a game I probably won't be pleased watching, and that is the neutral site game between our number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators. Georgia's technically the home team in this. Georgia's undefeated. They're number one for a reason, although some people are arguing Tennessee's climbing up those ranks. And, you know, I think this is the week where because they're not going to beat Florida by enough, Tennessee's probably going to jump them in the rankings. That's honestly what I'm feeling. I, 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 think, <sighs> I still think they're going to beat their ass. I just don't think they're going to beat them by 22 and a half. 
I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. That's fair enough. Cause when I look at these games, like it's so weird. Cause Florida played being in Jacksonville so benefits Florida so much. Yes. Yes. If this is at Georgia, it'd be, it'd I mean, be don't they always play new? Doesn't no, it? They do. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's benefiting them. Yeah. And it's a rowdy game. Everyone goes like I have hella friends going like, it, it, that's going to benefit Florida, but I think UGA takes it. I think it's going to be like the Tennessee game. I think Georgia's going to take a fat lead, and then Florida's just going to have some weird drives, and they're going to somehow cover. Good. Good. Florida's My 100% biggest... winning this game. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. What I will say about Georgia, though, um, is I'm trying to look at their rush defense. Rushing yards allowed per game. Yeah, they're allowing – dude, they're allowing about 83 rushing yards a game and only 163 passing. That is disgusting. Yeah. Um, so that kind of bewilders me. My biggest thing is, look, I think Florida has the better rushing attack just because Sets and Bennett's been playing better than advertised. Um, but, you know – Stetson has his games where suddenly you'll just be like, well, but he's back to the guy we thought he was, and he ends up almost losing him games. I mean, we saw it with Georgia multiple times this year already, if we were to look through their schedule. They played Kent State uh, close for a while, ended up pulling that one out, only beat Missouri by four. I mean, what the hell was there? Every other game's pretty much been a blowout, but, you know, there's some suspect games in there that just kind of make me worry about them a little bit, and it's all about whether or not we get a Heisman contention sets in Bennett or last year sets in Bennett who just had the game manage. Cause now he kind of has to play a little better considering. Yeah. The how level. did their game go last year? Florida, Georgia last year. 34 to seven, Georgia. They killed them. Holy shit. Yeah. I was going to say probably <laughs> wasn't even them. close. I don't know why I thought it was going to be close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, really got much to say about that game. I think, like I said, Florida, I, think, I think Georgia's going to blow them out in the beginning, and then Florida's going to have some weird drives to cover. Yep, Florida plus twenty-two and a half neutral site. By the half plus twenty-three. Yeah, fuck it. Who gives a shit? Uh, next game though, this is a game where I will slightly give a shit, only because I have high expectations for Kansas State despite their lackluster performance last week. But they will be taking on number nine ranked Oklahoma State. And before I tell you this line, I'm just saying, don't be surprised. Kansas State ends up covering because they are the favorites in this. One and a half. Over-unders at 56. I think the over at 56 is pretty much the lock of the year. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, I think that's pretty fair to assume just because these are both high-powered offenses. That's a really Look, low over-under for a Big 12 game. It, extremely that's why i'm like what the hell are these yeah and not only that we're looking at a primarily quarterback battle who between spencer sanders and um i always want to say his name is adrian, adrian martinez. martinez it is it is adrian martinez yeah. okay i think the reason i don't want to call him adrian martinez is because i had a friend in middle school named adrian martinez <laughs> and i just, I just can't like, nah, get over that can't it. be him that can't be him yeah yeah nah, nah, no shot but um you know Kansas State coming off of a rough loss last week. I just think Oklahoma State is prone to doing some dumb shit. They lost to TCU in a close one. In a game they Kansas, should have won. They were up 24-7. Yeah. 
And TCU won more hand or TCU beat uh, Kansas State more handily than that. So you would think based off uh, commonality of opponent, you'd be like, oh, well, uh, Oklahoma State should win this easily. But that's not how college football works. There's a lot of things that go into this. And primarily, I think it's got to have to do with um, Kansas State's rushing attack. You know, Oklahoma State does have one of the better rush defense in the country, but that's because I think they get ahead so early that teams are forced to pass later yeah, in games. I don't on them, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily because, like, their rushing defense is anything to brag about. And if you want to look at it for Kansas State sides of things with their leading rusher, um, Vaughn and Martinez rushing capabilities, like, they should be able to pick and choose um, how they move the ball throughout this game. Yeah, so I think it's going to be close. very serious, and I think – yeah, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to wrap it up and say, I even despite me saying that, I think the over will hit, even though I think the rush games will be prominent, only because Spencer Sanders is still going to throw for touchdowns. He's still going to sling yeah. it. Well, and even though even though uh, Kansas State's more of a rush-heavy offense, they still run the scoreboard up. Mm-hmm. They still score a lot. So I think this game's really going to come down to, I think, for Kansas State to win this game, it's got to be a drive-for-drive game. And it has to be a control to drive, slow it down, like make sure you're finishing. Because if they go into a shootout, Adrian Martinez isn't a shootout quarterback. Their offense isn't a shootout. That's not their style. You look at their success this year, they're keeping games close. 41, even when they lost to Tulane, 17-10, they beat Oklahoma by a touchdown. They beat Texas Tech by nine. They beat Iowa State by a field goal, and they only lost TCU by 10. When they keep it close, it works for them. They can't do this. They can't do what TCU did and come back to 24-7. They got to keep it close. With that being said, I think since they're so run-heavy reliant, I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I do think it'll be a close game, but I think they'll cover one and a half. Fair enough. I, I don't know. I just think it's another one of those games where on paper you look at it and you're like, why is, that, why is the lower-ranked team favorited? But the more I look at it, I just think Kansas State is going to score early and often. And it's honestly, it's whether or not Kansas State can force turnovers. Can you make Spencer yeah, Sanders make some mistakes? Because you know, uh, if it, Oklahoma State's not going to punt, they're going to score, or you're going to have to turn it over. So, like that's yeah. they're off. That's how their offense works. Yeah, I completely agree. We both just think the ball is going to fall on either side of the table. Both of these teams are very quality. Either one can pull the win out. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good it, game. It's a very yeah. underrated game, man. Yeah, this is very underrated. It being you at like high Kansas scoring, State yeah. benefits Kansas State a shit ton, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I I'll take us over for our next game. I'm the one that kind of, like, eyeballed it out. Number 10, Wake Forest is a three-point favorite going into Louisville, which is weird, right? You know, Louisville, four and three. They're not anything crazy. These teams have a combined average of 85 points in their last five five meetings. Louisville's defense is what you need to keep an eye out on. They've allowed 27 points in the last in their last two wins and have intercepted at least two passes in three of the four last three of the four of their four last games. They also have the NCAA high for 25 sacks in seven games. Last year, Wake Forest beat them by a game-winning field goal. I want to go with Louisville plus three. I think that it being – it's just a weird trap game, man. It, at Louisville, their fans are very de- devoted. Cunningham can move the ball on their defense. I think it's a trap game. I really do. I just 
I don't know. I think their defense is just physical enough to slow down the score, and then they just run it down their throat on defense. Their, their offense will score. It's going to come down if they can stop Hartman. Yeah. I think one of the things to look for in this game, if we're going to go with Louisville plus three, is the under has to hit this one. Yes. The under right or the over-under is sitting at 64.5. I think the under has to hit. Louisville has a pretty stout red zone defense. They, you know, they kind of play that bend, don't break mentality where they'll let you drive and not score. And I think that's one of Wake Forest's biggest issues is they can get the ball all the way there. But the problem is they they run that mesh every goddamn time. Yeah. And once you get to where you can't throw past 20 yards, the mesh kind of fucking – That's why I agree. I feel like the mesh is better for a drive than like a red zone because red zone you have such a tight space. Exactly. Uh, you know, I still think Sam Hartman is amazing. He's obviously going to score in this one. I just don't think it's going to be a ton. I like Louisville. Just it's going to be a lot of drive field goals. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We'll see. I I don't know. I don't really have too much to say. This is obviously one of those weird ones where you look at the line and you're like, dude, Wake's been putting up a ton of points all yeah. year. I like, why Boston College? Yeah, Louisville lost at Boston College, like. Why is it this close? Who knows? But, I mean, if Malik Cunningham is able to utilize his legs as much as he wants, um, similar to what Jordan Travis was doing uh, against Wake, then I think they'll sh- they should be able to keep it close and keep it less. I agree. But if they pocket it. contain him, it's over. GG's. Yep. 100%. Who will start us off for the next year? Ugh. Yeah, we got another uh, weird one. All the games this week just – you never really know what you're going to get out of these yeah, so teams. This is the That's most amazing. unconfident I've been with games this season. Yeah. Uh, and this one is no different. We have number 20 ranked Cincinnati heading to Orlando to take off the Central Florida Knights. UCF's actually minus one and a half favorites considering that Cincy's on a six-game win streak. Um, look, I know they have Gus Malzahn. I know they have John Reese Plumley, But, you know, from a – from a fan's perspective, looking at these games, you look at UCF's loss last week, and you're like, dude, they got beat by ECU, man. But they what come the- out and put like 70 on somebody, or they lose. Like, they're so inconsistent. Yeah. And the and a big reason because of that is on the shoulders of John Reese Plumley. And last week, the Ole Miss transfer had three interceptions, which is why they got absolutely shit-slapped. Dude, and if you watch, the game, um, if you watch the game against uh, – Against Louisville, it was the same thing. They shut him down, and it was over. Louisville, like, completely shut him down, and they couldn't do anything. Yep. And I think that's the issue because I don't think people really respect Cincinnati because even on their six-game win streak, they're only playing in, like, the 90-ish. Like, they're in, like, the 90th range of teams in terms of strength of schedule nationally. And UCF is right there. Like they're, so, I think they're their only, their only loss was a one-score touchdown at Arkansas when Arkansas was ranked, like, ninth. So it's not even a bad loss. Who was Cincinnati's or UCF? Yeah, Cincinnati was opening week. Yeah, so they it's had not that. Not even a bad loss. Yeah, it's not a bad loss, but now that we kind of see like what Arkansas is kind of like tuning out to, it kind of makes them look even like less strong. Look, I wanted to take Cincy at the beginning of this, and I think I still am, to be honest. I I don't know. I think since he has the game plan to kind of shut down John Reese Plumley, force him to make more mistakes, I think a given in this, though, will be the over at 55 and a half. There's a player on Cincinnati. I'm trying to pull it up right now. That is disgusting on their defense. Yeah. I think the over is going to hit just because Gus Malzahn 
is going to be able to put points up. Cincinnati has been able to put points up all year. Their quality, they know what they're doing. You know, usually when – I don't know, man. Usually when UCF loses, it's a lot of low-scoring games. That's just how it is. It's just like the offense can't perform. If UCF's able to show up and the over's going to hit, I think they can win. But now that I'm saying this, if I want to take the over, I feel like we have to take UCF here. I think it's Pace. I think his name is Pace. They have – they have. oh, by the way, Luke Fickle is the winningest coach in Cincinnati program history. And they have a guy on defense that's that's like supposed to be a t- like a first round draft pick. I can't remember his name, and he's so good. I want to say he's number zero. I don't know why I can't. Oh, this is him right here. Uh, yeah, Ivan Pace Jr., first team All American on the Athletic, ESPN, AP, PFF, and Pro Football. He is disgusting. You have him and this quarterback, bro. He's not getting enough recognition. This kid, what's his name? Ben Bryant. For following in Desmond Ritter's shoe steps, the kid's not bad. The kid's not bad. He doesn't have the, the, the mobility that Desmond Ritter had. But, I mean, 1,700 yards, 15 touchdowns, six picks. Not bad. Cincinnati's not a bad team. I think they're going to shut down uh, Plumlee, though, and take over. I, I don't I don't think UCF's going to win. All right. I'll ride with you on that. Let's go Cincinnati. This is this is the best defense UCF's played all season. Yeah, we'll take that Cincinnati money line. Why yeah, not? Yeah, let's do that. Make it bold, and we're gonna take the over at fifty-five and a half, just because I think these teams are gonna go to war. Yeah, I still like that too. Our yeah, next game. Games. Yep, this is a weird one. Number nineteenth ranked Kentucky going on down to Knoxville to take on number three Tennessee. I wish this game was in Kentucky, dude. Yeah, I kind of wish too. But let's be honest, this game is the battle of the quarterbacks. We have a healthy Will Levis finally, who is one of the top-ranked NFL QB prospects in the country, heading up against Hendon Hooker's uh, Heisman campaign. And let's be honest, this is going to be all offense. So before I lead with anything else, take do yourself a favor. Take the over at 62.5. It's more than likely going to hit. These, these teams only know how to score. However, because – Kentucky's healthy now outside of, I think one or two injuries on the deep. Yeah. They're only dealing with like two injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Got their, what one of their best linebackers out. And I think their number one wide receiver is questionable, but I still think he'll play. Kentucky's but, not, not Halen. Yeah. Highway, right. No, Taven Robinson. All right. Tavion. Yeah. But look, Tennessee, it, yeah. they really don't care about their defense that much, at least from what I see. Like, they're like, fuck it. We'll give up 40 points a game so long as we put up 41. Like, that. that's just kind of how they do things. They believe in Hedden Hooker. Hyatt literally had five touchdowns as a receiver against Isla fucking Bama. Mm-hmm. Like, you will never, ever hear that again. Probably ever. Which blew my mind. Will Levis is healthy. He's got his weapons. If his number one's back, that just gives them more firepower. The weather's going to be perfect. It's not like there's going to be any rain. There's nothing that's going to prevent these offenses from scoring. I think what's the biggest dictating factor in this game, though, is how well Kentucky is able to convert in the red zone. You know, every it feels like every time I watch their game, they'll drive down and try to take the leader tie, end up settling for a field goal. I agree. End up turning or the ball they'll get over. driven out of field goal range. Driven out of field goal range. It something about them get that. What is it? Mark Stoops 
Stoops gets him there, and then oh. it's just like, ah, ah, yeah, fuck. Like I don't, I don't know uh, what to do. I think I think Will Levis is incredibly overrated. I was a, such a big fan of him going into this year, and then when I watch him, it's like you said, he can't finish, and he doesn't win the big games. I like Kentucky a lot. I've always been a Stoops fan. I've always been a Kentucky fan. I was even a Levis fan this year, and I freaking hate Tennessee, man. But I just don't see Kentucky winning this game. I do, though, think this is the best defense Tennessee is going to play this year. So I think that's, that it's going to be weird to see Hooker with a little adversity and and uh, see how they, they might even shut down Hyatt a little. But I think I don't think Kentucky can go blow for bang with Tennessee driving and drive out. I don't. I think we'll – I think – the O line for Kentucky's bad. It's it just makes Will Levis look even worse. And I think the the utilization of how many weapons Tennessee's offense has, I think it's just gonna be too much. I think it'll, you'll see a similar game to the Ole Miss game where it's like Kentucky is just like one step behind. Um, I think Tennessee. Yeah. I think Tennessee wins. I don't know what the. I don't remember what the uh the spread. Minus was. twelve. Minus twelve. Oh damn! I don't know about that though. Yeah. No. Here's why I'm gonna take Kentucky. Um with the spread because when Tennessee was only 10 point favorites against fucking Florida, I was way more confident in that game. And I need to have some confidence in Kentucky because dude, if you think about it outside of their two losses, which they had Levis hurt in one of them. And you know, they just kind I don't of count the South Carolina one. Yeah. Cause Levis didn't play the Ole Miss one. They should have yeah. won. Yeah. Should have won. They, this would have been a top 10 ma- matchup between both these teams. And you're telling me that line would have been minus 12. Absolutely fucking not. Yeah, Both these I'm, teams. I'm gonna ride with you. And take Kentucky plus twelve. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Let's take Kentucky plus twelve. I, still think I think Tennessee it's the wins the game, though. Yes, hundred percent. I think this might be Kentucky one of those has destiny to finish years. drives, no field goals. Yeah, exactly. That's honestly, that's exactly how it is. And you want to be honest? One of the only weakness for Kentucky is just their run run defense. And Tennessee isn't just going to be like, oh, you know, they're poor run defense. Let's not pass the ball with the yeah, Heisman that's quarterback. Not how they that's not how they work. But it's, also, it's their, work. their run offense is atrocious. Who? Kentucky. Kentucky? Oh, yeah, but – Dude, Will you know, Levis averages, like, I think nine yards or ten yards loss a game. Probably. It's like Peyton Manning. Yeah, and he sacks so much. Their O-line's dog shit. Yeah. But – Let's move on to our last game of the year, or of the year, <laughs> last game of the week. We have number fifteen ranked Ole Miss taking on Texas A&M. And I didn't College even State. want to do this game, by the way. Zach Watts wanted to do this game. I okay. give a shit about Texas A&M. Look, if I can be given a chance to shit on Jimbo Fisher, I'm going to take my chance, and I'm going to shit on Jimbo Fisher. I'm taking Ole Miss minus one and a half, and here's why. And I'm going to love saying this shit. Jimbo just had to suspend three players for smoking weed in the locker room. So he said, your ass got out of here. There's a five-star lineman or a five, one five-star said he's not returning to the team. I can't remember if he's a D-line or O-line, but he said he wouldn't be returning to the team. There's another four or five-star running back that said he won't be returning to the team because he just doesn't want to be there. They've had multiple recruits flip in the last week. There's no love in College Station. They're probably going to have to buy out Jimbo's contract with the way shit's going. Jimbo runs an outdated-ass offense, which is one of the bottom 30 teams in the country in terms of pace. They only know how to slow work the clock, and in this day and age, get with the program, old man. Your shit's not working. Yeah, and you don't have a quarterback to do that either. Like, you need a fucking great quarterback to play a football, play a style of football in that like that. 
Thank you for leading that into it because guess what? We don't even know who their starting quarterback is going to be. Because last game when their quarterback got knocked out, they had their five-star quarterback come in. And what did he do? Went four for nine passing. Nice. But guess what? doesn't matter who the quarterback is going to be because both – whoever Texas A&M decides to be their quarterback, it's just whether or not they'll – it's whether or not who will be handing the ball off to quench on our uh, Devon Acne. Acne. I think that's the name. Yeah, who ranks third in the SEC averaging – uh, 89.6 rushing yards a game. Now, on the other side of the ball for Old Miss, you have Quinchon Judkins, who took over um, for their star running back at Old Miss, leads all freshmen nationally in rushing touchdowns and rushing yards. He has 12 tutties, 831 yards on the ground. He's balling. You know, we talked about in that Penn State game, how their freshman running back, they need to kind of rely on him. Ole Miss has to do the same thing. You're fighting a bruised and battered Texas A&M team who really hasn't been able to put it together, you know, I think they still haven't gotten over their loss to Alabama. That was a huge moral uh, loss for them. Um, I think Ole Miss leads the FBS in rushing touchdowns and ranks top five in FBS in total yards. Run the ball down Texas A&M throat. That's all you have to do. They're just too fast, uh, and they have too much for Texas A&M to handle. Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not too worried about Jackson Dart. He can do what he needs to do um, for Ole Miss to kind of like keep him in this. Or miss yeah yeah jackson dart i think jackson dart has the capabilities to do it but it's he's not going to be the winning factor so it's going to be their know. run game. yeah yeah no it, it's, it's going to be their run game um i think another big factor in this you know we talk about um texas a&m's pace of play how they like to slow work things Ole miss complete opposite yeah top I mean, 25 yeah. nationally in pace of play they like they like to move that shit yeah. and fast and i think a big thing that separates these two teams and what will be the deciding factor is their third down conversion rate because for a Texas A&M team that likes to slow work everything, what wins you games is whether or not you can convert on third down and keep the mm. clock moving. And keep the third down keep, short, like third and three. And yes. Quarter. Yes. And I just – I don't see that happening. Ole Miss is one of the best teams in the country um, in winning on third down. And for a defense that has a slow-paced offense, you know, you ride on your health and shit. If your interior D-line is getting slow, getting tired, you're fucked. Yeah. There's no way you're gonna be able to. Keep I just, I think, so. I think Ole Miss is gonna spread them out, and then there's just too many things, too many different running backs, too many different schemes, too many wide receivers. Like, there's just too much for Texas A&M to handle. There's just, it's, it's gonna overwhelm them. Yeah. And lastly, I'll say this about Texas A&M: they're average, they're averaging 192 rushing yards per game, or allo- they're allowing 192 rushing yards per game to FBS opponents. So not only does your run defense suck. You're basing one of the best run defenses in the country. So with that being said, I'm going to take Ole Miss minus one and a half. I think it's easy to take. I think Ole Miss, I don't know why, but whoever does the lines for Vegas, they're just in love with Texas A&M yeah, for God knows what. Yeah. They can go fuck themselves. Ole Miss is winning this. And I can promise you it's by more than one and a half. I can promise you. Yeah, I think I think it'll be like a close first half because like Texas A&M does have a solid defense. But they just can't go drive for drive. The same thing with Kentucky and Tennessee. They can't go drive in, drive out with Ole Miss. They don't have yeah, any no. firepower. They barely score touchdowns as it is. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's take Ole Miss minus one and a half. It was too easy of a game to pass up on. That's why we're taking it. But that'll wrap up. I know we had a short slate of games this week. Um, but let's be honest. We're not going to waste your time with some boring game that you're going to tune into on Friday night or some other game that's not worth watching over another game. Nor are we going to waste uh, our time doing homework on it. Yes, because I don't give a shit unless you're playing for 
near six bowl. And that's a fact. But yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Week nine, Fox on stuff. You know where to get your picks. Hell yeah, baby.